following program contains language and subject matter that you may consider unsuitable for children. Parental discretion is advised. Greetings, Starplane. Giorgio Sucolos from Ancient Aliens. You're a fucking liar. Uh, yeah, I guess the jackal. Von continues building up this false dilemma. One of these platforms is 800 tons. This is very incorrect. The heaviest block at Puma Punku is 130 tons. You're a fucking liar. No, it was Welcome to another episode of Inside the Jackal's Head here on PSN Radio and on SoFlow Radio. We're going to be joined tonight by William Van Holst. I got a lot of new stuff to talk about tonight. Plus, real cool stuff concerning the movie Deadhead's Evolution that I want to share with everybody. Had a real good time today with the author Franklin E. Wales met up for the first time. Got a lot of cool stuff to talk about, guys. Today was a good day. Kick it, Ice.
Yeah. So today was a very, very good day. Welcome again, everybody, on this lovely Sunday evening, 10.05 p.m. You're finally here inside the Jackal's Head. And like I said, tonight I have Mr. William Van Holst, who's going to join me, and we're going to talk about a lot of stuff that has nothing to do with what I'm going to intro the show with, just to let everybody know. People who might not know who William Van Holst is, um, it's kind of interesting. This gentleman was on my show once before, about a year and a half, almost two years ago. And for some ungodly reason, we had a technical issue and we could not save the archive. It just uh, it recorded all kinds of weird and archive was gone. So I never was able to actually podcast the episode with him. But I'm really excited to have him back on. Now he's going to be with us. At the 30-minute mark. Before that, though, I have a couple things I want to go over. Some news items that uh, became uh, apparently clear that I had to talk about over the last couple of days. So I'm going to go bring that up. But first, I have something that I want to, you know, tell everybody I want about. I want everybody to go, you know, as soon as they can to their Facebook account, and I want them to look up this new like page that I have going on here. And some of you that are in the chat room now and listening in probably already know what I'm talking about. But in case you don't. Go to Facebook and type in, these guys are liars. And I'm going to be talking about this a little bit more from time to time here on the show. See, what I want to do with that page and, you know, with this show in particular from here on out, uh, since this is, what, my fifth and a half, almost, yeah, almost six years now, six years now doing internet radio. Um, moving forward from what I've been doing on this show, I'm, you know, I'm kind of fed up with a lot of the stuff that I've been uh, you know, in, introduced to since I've been doing this show. To this show, a lot of the the stories that I've heard, a lot of the so-called evidence that I've heard from people within the world of ufology, uh, I'm kind of fed up with all the nonsense. And going forward on this show, one thing I want to make very clear is that I am not going to stand for lies and con artists anymore on this show. Now, with that said, I have a list that I've compiled of what I consider the good ufologists. And the bad ufologists. Now, good ufologists are always welcome on this show. I love these people, and these are people that are actually doing something right within the UFO community. And the bad ufologists are the scumbags of the earth that really don't deserve to even can, to even get mentioned, but only mentioned if it's a negative thing towards them. If it's something that's going to debunk or expose them, that's what we're going to start doing more on this show. Not so much debunking, but exposing the frauds and the liars. Yeah, okay, debunking. Debunking the, the frauds and liars there. Okay, I said it. Now, what what motivated me to do this? I don't know if you guys are familiar with the show Ancient Aliens. I'm sure a lot of you are. Well, I, like a lot of people in this country, as you know, for the last uh, you know five, six years, have uh, been a big fan of Zachariah Sitchin. A lot of people within the UFO uh, community or people within the knowledge of what's going on behind, you know, with the UFO community and how into the topic or whatnot. Uh, you know, a lot of us are into Zachariah Sitchin's work and the stuff that he did. And, you know, his stuff springboards off of uh, stuff that uh, Eric Von Daniken and other folks had worked on in the past, like David Icke. You know, these guys all kind of came, ar- came out around the same time period with this amazing set of stories about ancient aliens that goes all the way back to Sumerian times and even further back. And, of course, a lot of this is uh, taken as fact by a lot of people because one thing that is crazy but is so true about you know the UFO community and about everything really in general is that people are easy to dupe. 
religion has been doing it for thousands of years, let's be real. Religion has been duping people for a very, very long time, so since that's the case, you know, it's it's pretty clear that people are easy to dupe. And what really got me is when I started watching the show Ancient Aliens, to be honest with you. That's really what put me over the top, and I was like, this is just nonsense. It's it's complete, utter bull. Uh, I started looking at stuff online just to try to compare what they were talking about on there and try to see if I could find any facts of my own and lo and behold i came across a very interesting documentary called ancient aliens debunked very original right ancient aliens debunked i really highly recommend everybody takes a look at it. it's a couple hours long but it's extremely informative and it's something that i think really will open your eyes to a lot of stuff that you know you might be believing because you saw ancient aliens and you're like oh it must be true since it's on tv you know, they don't lie to us when it's on TV. You know, they wouldn't tell you a lie on TV, right? They wouldn't lie to you. So since that's, you know, what people believe, they take a lot of this, you know, this stuff to, to heart and they start really believing a lot of the stuff they see. Now, I have a, a couple audio clips that I'm going to get to before I do go to break in about 20 minutes. And a couple audio clips I want to play from Ancient Aliens Debunked. But, I like I, like I said, I want to really recommend everybody goes out and checks Ancient Aliens Debunk, the entire thing, just watch the entire documentary, because it really is an eye-opener. For anybody who, you know, who has been, a, a, some, you know, somebody who's a, who's been a supporter of Sitchin or Vindanikin, or even Georgia Tukalus, and thinks that these people are just uh, incredibly, you know, amazing people telling us this incredible, amazing story that is true, and it's all based on fact, for those people who believe that, those are the people that are trying to reach mostly, and those are the people that are trying, they are trying to reach with this documentary, Ancient Aliens Debunked, because those are the people that are completely blinded by a lie. So, with that said, first off, I want to play off, I want to play a clip about Puma Punku. Now, if you guys are not familiar with Puma Punku, it's uh, a very ancient place. Uh, they have, uh, you know, there's definitely a lot of mystery behind it, but as you can see, where there's mystery, there's usually a lot of, you know, just performance and acting. Because most of this stuff really is just that. Puma so, Puma Puma is so unique in the way that it was constructed and shaped and positioned that it is the most intriguing ancient site on the planet. While the pyramids at Giza are incredible feat of achievement, compared to Puma Punku, the pyramids are child play. In my opinion, the most significant piece of evidence that we have in this entire ancient astronaut puzzle is Puma Punku in the highland of Bolivia. Got it. Okay. Really? More incredible than the pyramids? I mean, how could this place be more incredible than the pyramids? There's nothing but, you know, demolished blocks that were used to form a wall. How could that be more important than the amazing, incredible creation that is the, the pyramid, especially the Pyramid of Giza? I mean, it's totally an asinine statement. And by the way, it's astronaut, not asonaut, so asohats, or whatever he says. Uh, but in all, you know, in all seriousness, the show starts off by telling you that right there. It tells you that it's impossible to construct Puma Pumku and to construct these this wall. Now, what's wrong with this? You know, why is this important? Well, the stones are not granite, as he's going to tell you in this next clip. And this is what's amazing about the, you know this, especially 
Giorgio Tukalus and what he has been carving for himself, which is an incredible niche within the world of ufology, but it's amazing how easily he lies and how incredibly believable he gets sound. So for anybody, you know, listening out there, if you don't know the facts, if you've never researched it yourself and you listen to this guy, you're like, wow, crazy hair guy. He makes One of the most sense. intriguing things there is that the stones that were used there aren't sandstone. They're granite and diorite. The only stone that's harder than diorite is diamond. So the only way that this could have been achieved is if the tools were tipped with diamond. Now, again, the stones are not granite or diorite at Pumapunku. They're actually made from red sandstones. And, uh, you know, he uses words like diamonds because people know that diamonds are used for cutting. This is actually something that they use as a trick. Uh, basically, what they would do is they use this as a buzzword. That's what it's kind of called, a buzzword or a trigger word, uh, which will trigger your brain and, and, will, and it'll give you the result that they want, basically. Uh, they want you to believe that this is a fact. So they're going to give you one little truth and a whole big lie. And then when you hear the word diamonds and cutting, you're like, oh, yeah, diamonds do cut. Diamonds do cut hard stuff, so that must be true. So then you hear the rest of it, and you're like, oh, well, you know, it must be true what they're saying. They, they wouldn't be lying. You know, the diamonds really do cut, right? Now, what's incredible about Giorgio Tukalus is that this guy is not only one of the biggest frauds within the world of ufology, and yes, it is his own little world now. He's not only one of the biggest frauds in this little world. Uh, he is doing nothing more than copying almost word for word everything that Eric Von Daniken has ever said. Uh, again, if you have not ever seen Chariots of the Gods, it's a hysterical documentary. Everybody should watch it. It's very funny stuff. So Eric Van Daniken is pretty much the... The, the role model of Giorgio Tukalus. Giorgio Tukalus is his apprentice, in a sense, because Vindanikin is getting old, and eventually somebody else has to carry on the lie. And that's where Giorgio Tukalus comes in. He's going to carry the torch for Vindanikin once he passes away. That's really what they're kind of gearing this guy, this crazy-haired nut job, uh, to do. Now, if you've never heard Van Daniken, check this out. Of course, made out Eric's of stones found on Earth, because you don't transport granite or, or diorite from another solar system. Okay, first off, you know, that's the, t the type of stuff he's been saying for about 40 years. Again, there is absolutely no proof whatsoever. Now, if you listen to Eric talk, and then Giorgio talk, it's clear for anyone who's seen Chariots of the Gods, or anybody who's even familiar with ancient aliens, uh, that he's doing nothing but repeating what he's heard from Vindanikin. That's all he's doing. Now, why again is this important right off the bat? Well, if they start to show off with lies... What do you expect the rest of the info to be? The thing, you know, I find funny about the amount of media that this gets is that it's promoted by the History Channel. You know, the History Channel is supposed to be a channel that, you know, promotes history, historical facts, right? What happened to that? There's absolutely no historical facts in anything these guys are saying. Not only is there no historical facts, they're making stuff up completely. They're just bold-faced lying about stuff. And that's really where it gets incredible. Now, let's listen to them talk about the tools that were used at Puma Puma. One of this these is platforms incredible. is 800 tons. This is very incorrect. The heaviest block at Puma Punku is 130 tons. And most of the stones are much smaller than that. So he's off by a whopping 670 tons. Unfortunately, we will come to expect this kind of thing from Von Daniken as we progress. Ancient Alien spends quite a lot of time pointing out the various features in the stonemasonry at Pumapunku, 
and then declaring it impossible to do without power tools. Each of these small drill holes are basically evenly spaced along this router groove. To me, it's clear that power tools have been used on this unusual block of stone here. Well, exactly, and this surface is as smooth as the tabletop, like in your kitchen. There's no wave to it or anything. It's, this was machined. The sandstone and andesite stones at Pumapunku would have been easily worked with the most basic stoneworking tools. The idea that diamond-tipped power saws were needed is ridiculous. The red sandstone was relatively soft and easy to work with, and even though andesite is pretty hard, because of the way it cooled, it could easily be flaked off using stones as soft as 5.5 on the Mohs scale. Such pounding stones were found all over the andesite quarries in the area. Contrary to ancient aliens' claims that archaeologists are baffled by Pumapunku, archaeologists know the basics about how Pumapunku stones were cut and shaped. This is partly because there is evidence for this all over the site itself. They actually used a method that almost all ancient stoneworkers used. They used hard pounding stones to pound out trough-like depressions. Later on, they used flat stones and sand to grind the stone to make a polished surface. We will see later on that this is also how the Egyptians, thousands of years before this, made their flat-surfaced granite monuments like obelisks. Sand, as we will see later when we look at Egypt, has extremely hard particles in it and, if placed between a flat surface and a rock, can polish even the hardest stones known to man. In fact, the harder the stone is, the better it can be polished using sand. We will also see how sand can turn a piece of copper into a very efficient granite saw or granite drill. A method? So this so-called expert, Eric Van Daniken, can't even get simple math correct. And, uh, you know, if you can't get something like that correct, and you're supposed to be an expert in this field, you know, how can we take anything else for, you know, serious from this guy? So this is the kind of stuff they're spewing on their show. And, you know, right now I have somebody on the line who also was a believer of the ancient alien theory and who was a follower of Sitchin and Vendanikin and Georgia Tsoukalos and, you know, the whole ancient astronaut stuff. Uh, I have Mrs. Soul Anemia on the line. What's up, sweetie? Hi. Long time no call in. I know. I'm so glad you are talking about this subject because uh, I've been waiting for you to do a show just on this for a long time. And I just wanted to, you know, say that, I don't know, there's no no other way to really say it. I feel like I've been conned and I feel like I've wasted a lot of my time because they put so much of their effort into research, well, quote-unquote research, supposed research, okay? Hmm. And then... So what do I do? I mean, I'm going to buy into somebody who supposedly is an expert in this. I mean, if you write a book, I mean, and you you dedicated your life to something like this, uh, there's something to that. And so, I, I mean, I paid attention for a very long time, but I'm not an archaeologist. And I feel like they played everybody who's not an archaeologist. <laughs> and, I mean, neither are they. And there was a significant denial stage when you first showed me the video. I, I mm. made you watch a couple minutes gave it that much because I was in denial let's just say it I mean I was being an idiot you know what's crazy? Uh, the crazy thing about you saying that, and thank you for mentioning that, the denial stage, it happens so often to anybody you bring this up to and you tell them, look, this is reality, especially the people that are really brainwashed. And, you know, we experienced this on Facebook, you and I, a couple nights ago when I yeah. posted a, a picture of Giorgio Tsoukalos on, uh, on Facebook and immediately I had people there supposedly were friends of his and knew him 
attacking me and calling me, you know, debunker and, and questioning why I was doing it because he's such yeah. a nice guy. He's a nice he's guy. So nice. A nice if guy. You're so fucking nice. Excuse my language, but if you're so nice, you wouldn't be calling people. And if somebody exactly. questions you in a conference, you wouldn't uh, give them maybe two sentences and then start changing the subject all of a sudden. You would show interest. If, you would admit when you were wrong, and that's not nice. And, and so I just feel like now that I – now I don't know if you still watch Ancient Aliens, but um, I gave it – I don't really – I don't buy into it anymore, but I look at it, and it just – it's obvious to me now. It's so obvious these people are actors, and they're just mm-hmm. fooling us. And the denial stage is hard. Because it's it's kind of like being in a religion, and then all of a sudden finding out God's not real. You know, right. uh, you you've just spent your whole life dedicated to something like that. I've been I've spent since 2003. I've been doing this, and I've been going online and researching, and no 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 And I spent a huge chunk of my time on the ancient aliens theory, looking it up. I showed people who didn't believe. I tried to convince <laughs> them. They only looked at me like I was an idiot. So it makes everybody just. It just makes everybody look like an idiot. I mean, they drag everybody down with them, and it, it all. You know, luckily, luckily for me, I have this show, and I and I would talk about it you know, <laughs> periodically on the show. The whole ancient alien theory, or Sitchin and the Anunnaki. Uh, but I try to avoid that conversation in public with friends for that particular reason, because I don't want people to look at me like, "Oh, this guy's bananas." Like, oh, he's it happened every time, every time. And now I it, just feel like an idiot, and I don't know what to believe now. Now I'm, I'm at a stage where I'm like. Is it all bullshit? That's a sad possibility right there. At least with the whole ancient alien, ancient astronaut, uh, at least the way they are pushing it, that much is bullshit. But here's the thing. Where there's smoke, there's fire. I do believe that aliens have been here. I'm not denying that. I do think that's a you know a pretty uh, you can pretty much say it's a fact at this point. I think that at some point in the history of this planet, an alien might have passed by and said hi. You know that could have happened. Not denying that. I'm also, you know, I wanted not gonna... to ask you about about that because you are a big supporter of Stanton Friedman, and I'm I'm curious if maybe your views have changed slightly on some of the people that you maybe once um, admired, maybe now you ah, don't admire. Great question, actually, because I did put together and I mentioned it earlier something I was going to reveal mm-hmm. later on, which is the list of who I consider to be the good ufologist and the list what consider to be the evil bad guys in ufology, the guys that you should not ever devote any attention and focus to, the guys you should not support, buy any books, go to any conferences. These guys are scumbags, basically. And I have put together a list, and you know what? Stan Friedman is on my good guy list because Stan Friedman, I, I have a lot of respect for him on the mm-hmm. simple fact that Stan Friedman is not out there trying to promote a cult. He's not out there trying to promote <laughs> an ancient aliens. All he really does, I mean, he really is a scientist, and that's really his backing. He really does have credentials. But what Stan Freeman is, you know, one of the things he talks about mostly is the Roswell case. And as you know, he goes out and he interviews people, puts together books about the Roswell case, and that's really the kind of research that he does. But he's not out there saying, well, you know, Roswell was 100% really aliens, Jackal, and, you know, it was all 100% authentic. He doesn't, no, he gives you interpretations of what people have told him. That was a good years. impersonation, by the way. Not bad, right? <laughs> I've, I've worked hard on that, by the way. 
worked really hard on that. I think Stanton would be really impressed with that if I ever do it in front of him. But you look, Stanton is on my good guy list. Uh, Michael Heiser, Dr. Michael Heiser, PhD, the guy behind, mm-hmm. you know, the idea for Ancient Aliens debunked, uh, the guy who has SitchinWasWrong.com. You know, this guy is a great person in ufology. He's putting out real information. This is where a lot of this stuff comes from. Uh, it's because of some of the work that he's done. And the amazing thing is, and, th- and so we're almost out of time. I have to go to break in a little bit. But the amazing mm-hmm. thing about this whole, you know, topic is that we could actually go and do our own research and find out for ourselves, you know, if we're being lied to, if we're not. The problem is that, like we said earlier, and, and you know this for a fact, not everybody is a researcher. Not everybody has the capacity or the ability to go out there and research the stuff for themselves. Right. So when they see somebody on TV who uses buzzwords like diamond, cut, you know, strong cut, you know, when you use certain words like that, you, your brain starts believing everything else that comes after that because you heard one truth in a big old lie. And why these guys are doing yep. this and, and the reason they're doing this, bottom line, is because, you know, not only is to make money off of it, but it's disinformation. It, that's really well, what it, it comes could, down to. If I could just give one piece of advice to anybody tuning in, watch the video. I know it's Definitely. a little long. But you spent so many hours watching bullshit. So you can spend one hour watching this video and do it. Unless Definitely. you want to be lied to the rest of your life. If you, unless you want to believe lies. And I hope that one day somebody creates a website where they can have those contrasts between the good ufologists and the bad ones. Because we kind of do need some, like, an easy place to just, like, click show to somebody. Maybe we might see somebody who's believing this, you know. I was in that position. I wish I would have had something to, to tell me. Who to stay away from? I tell you what, I believe some pretty crappy shit. So, um, <laughs> but thanks for taking my call, Jackie. Thank you for calling. So you're always you're welcome awesome. to call in. Thank you, dear. Of All right, Rock. take care. I'll be listening. Bye. Bye. So there you go, guys. You know, she is a person who I've talked to for a long time. She actually was a co-host of mine for a little while. And she is extremely aware of, you know, the bullshit that is the ancient alien theory. And, you know, this is one of the people that has woken up from this dream that she was in. And it, and it's a dream. It really is. It's a dream that you could wake up from. And if you want to start that process, look, I could play all the audio clips in the world for you, and I could go ahead and bore you to death. But what I want you to do is go to ancientaliensdebunked.com. Spend the time, like she said, watch the video. Yes, it's a little bit long, but it's worth it. It's going to not only, you know, expand your horizon it's really going to open your mind you know like they have open minds radio you know alejandro rojas is a, a buddy of mine I, I consider him a friend of mine he's a nice guy uh, alejandro's has had open minds that stuff that he was on in the past uh they do decent work in the world of ufology but just like them you know they also pro, you know promote a lot of a lot of these people that are hoaxers so to have a real open mind forget all that forget everything you've heard and just do the research for yourself again ancient aliens debunked Dot com. Guys, we're going to be back in a little bit with William Van Holst. And after we have him on for a full hour, I'm going to have some news that I wanted to get to. Uh, very important stuff happened today, and I'm going to talk about that at the end of the show. So please stick around. This is going to be just an amazing Inside the Jackal's Head. The new Inside the Jackal's Head, by the way. And I say that because this is a new attitude for the show. It's a new attitude for me, and I hope everybody listening has a new attitude and understands that this is the awakening that they were talking about after 2012. We'll be right
introduces our first ever iPhone application, Mobile Talk Radio. Imagine having the freedom to take live talk radio with you anywhere you go. You'll be surprised how easy it is to use. So I think what's going on here is that Obama is banking on unemployment falling. Listen to live talk shows 24 hours a day, 7 days a week. Talk Stream Live. Now available in the iTunes App Store. 4,734 UFO sightings in 2007. 854 abductions by aliens or unknown species reported by American and British citizens. Hundreds more unreported in 2007. Suppressed information about collisions with passenger aircraft and UFOs that has been kept from the public knowledge for years. And only one trusted source on information from some of the top UFO researchers in the world. Exclusive information that cannot be found anywhere else on the planet. Trusted, connected, accurate. The UFOStore.com. Expand your personal library with fast shipping and instant downloadable information from the largest selection of UFO products on the internet by going to theufostore.com or call on the 24-hour, 7-day-a-week order line at 541-523-2630. The truth is out there, and theufostore.com has it. <laughs> you might be laughing now, you scoundrel. But wait until I unleash my flimflam. Your what? These flimflam. Hello, Professor Wilberforce Peabody here. An assignment for unraveling the secrets. I'm coming to you from the Liking Kitchen Plateau of Ling, where I've been studying the orgiastic rights of the bestial and subhuman pygmy inhabitants. Once each week, these deviant creatures consume vast quantities of lichen stimulants and fermented yak urine, and work themselves into a feverish state while listening to Unraveling the Secrets, thus ensuring the continuation of their species. They found that the show encourages growth in the entire cerebral cortex and cerebellum, resulting in enhanced desire and fertility for males and females alike. Don't be outdead by these promiscuous denizens of the underworld. Listen to the Unraveling the Secrets each week, and do your part to ensure the propagation of the human race before it's too late. Put a team of professional consultants behind your home or business computer with Key Information Solutions. Providing solutions to your internet and computing needs while keeping you on the cutting edge of technology. Preventative maintenance and networking support. Hardware and custom built computers. Let Key Information Solutions be your personal tech staff for your home or office with affordable hourly, monthly, or annual rates to fit anyone's budget. Call Key Information Solutions now. 954-973-3374. That's 954-973-3374. Or visit keyinformation.com. Here's a riddle for you. What do the California Gold Rush of the 1850s, secret societies, coded messages, mysterious 19th century flying machines and an early 20th century outside artist named Charles A.A. Delshaw all have in common The Secrets of Delshaw by Dennis Crenshaw and Pete Navarro Go to www.secretsofdelshaw.com to learn more
The George Rodriguez Show. Who? I said the George Rodriguez Show. You don't know George Rodriguez? Wasn't he the guy that filled in for Neil Rogers? Yes, that George Rodriguez. What's he like? Oh, he's a short little Cuban feller. Kind of funny looking. Well, when's he on? 12 to 3, Monday, Wednesday, and Friday on SoFloRadio.com and SoFloRadio.net. The George Rodriguez Show is much more than adequate. When you're ready to actually lose weight safely and steadily while being monitored by a physician, the Weight Loss Clinic of Dr. Kim Jacobson is there for you. The family medicine practice was established by her father in 1956 and continues as a medical practice that now specializes in weight reduction. Dr. Kim Jacobson joined the practice 20 years ago as both a family medicine practitioner and weight loss specialist. The Weight Loss Clinic utilizes a combination of appetite suppression medication and vitamins to produce great results, usually 3 to 4 pounds per week for most patients. Now you can change your lifestyle while still enjoying your own food, just less of it. They offer a choice of two, three, or four-week plans. So whether you just need to lose a few pounds or a lot, the Weight Loss Clinic of Dr. Kim Jacobson can help you. They're located at 5454 Northeast 4th Avenue in Miami, just two blocks west of 54th Street and Biscayne Boulevard. Call them at 305-751-0091. They'll be happy to answer any and all of your questions. That's 305-751-0091. Get started on a beautiful new body today with Dr. Kim Jacobson and the Weight Loss Clinic. By the Glass. By the Glass is a show about beverage culture. Brad Hubbard. What I'm going to do is I'm going to connect the dots on how everything works together. It's really all about how we enjoy things, how we enjoy life, and how beverages play a big part in that. I'm going to bring in people that are going to display their aspect of the culture. I'm going to bring in people that are going to show you different products. We're going to look at places where people go to consume these beverages and how they all interact. Things are built around the actual beverage itself. By the Glass. Thursdays from 6 to 7. Only on SoFloRadio.com. Welcome back to Inside the Jackal's Head on PSN Radio and at SoFlow Radio on this beautiful Sunday evening, February 24th, 2013. Now, a lot of my friends last year were swearing to God that we would not get here, that 2013 would not happen, but yet here we here we are. And tonight I'm joined by a very, very, very cool guest, somebody who I actually had on once before. And uh, like I said, I enjoyed having him on so much that I want to have him on immediately. But unfortunately, our... Past did not cross, William, into now, but here you are. Welcome back, my friend. Oh, thank you so much. Now, what have you been up to since last time we spoke? I have bought a house and started planting gardens. Very cool. Now, that's always day. That's a lot of fun. I come from a family of farmers, so that's actually a lot of uh, fun for us. Now, th- last time you were here, we spoke about the Warrior Code. Uh, the book is, of course, the guide for practical living in the world where the spiritual warrior must live. Now, have you written anything following up this book since uh, we last spoke? Yeah, there's a new book out, and it's called The New Planetary Reality. Cool. And the subtitle is called The Coming Avatara and the Nine Paths to Enlightenment. 
Very nice. And is that out already? That's published already? That has just come out in the last few months, yes. Oh, very nice. I didn't get a copy. I'm going to have to go get a copy of that. So tell us a little bit about the book. Tell us a little bit about what it, what's in the book. Well, the book is about the mystery of the coming avatara. And to understand that, I would have to explain a little bit about the role of the avatara in, in the history so far of mankind. Okay. And what has happened is that when the planet's in a crisis, as we are today, there has been a response from the inner dimensions and from beings on the inner dimensions who decide to incarnate into a particular time, a particular place, for a particular people to teach them a very particular vibration. So this has happened many times in the past. So some of these people are very obvious. Um, Christ, for instance, incarnated 2,000 years ago, um, was very focused on bringing a dynamic love energy to those people. Mm. There have been many in the East as well. There have been um, women as well. Kuan Yin in ancient China came and spoke about compassion, gave an energy of compassion and love as well. So what happens is that these, these beings come into physical manifestation and they work with people to, to help those people begin to hold that vibration and that they can spread it even further. So what's happening today, and this is what this new book is about, The New Planetary Reality, is that this is happening again, but in a different way. And what this means is that there is an avatar that is coming into our presence, but it's not incarnating into a physical body. So what is happening is that there is a vibration that is present everywhere on the planet, and any single person can tune into that vibration, and by tuning into that vibration, they can help bring about a new age. Now, when you say a new age, we're talking about, of course, a spiritual new age. I mean, look, we've been talking about that on this show for a long time. You know, I've had a lot of folks talking about a new age in consciousness, a new age um, where mankind are, are going to evolve to the next level. Are we seeing the, the stages already set for that? I mean, are, what are the, some of the things we could look out for to kind of see it coming already, if it is already happening? Well, what's so... And, and yes to everything you've just said, but what's so powerful about what's happening is that it's not just limited to a spiritual focus. Okay. So what this, what this means is that this, this avatar, and this avatar, it sounds straight out of a science fiction novel, but the avatar is a very non-Earth-like origin. So it's come from somewhere outside of our evolutionary history on this planet. So it is um, uniquely powerful. It has never happened on this planet before. And, of course, the planet is in huge crisis and will continue to be in crisis for, for many reasons. But what this avatar can do is that it's not just focusing on so-called spiritual people or people on the path and all that, but it can focus on politicians. It can focus on um, scientists on musicians, on artists, on anyone who is 
in their consciousness able to bring about a, a greater good to a number of people. So there will be huge, and, and this is beginning to happen and will happen more and more in the future, that our whole educational system could be completely turned around so that in decades to come, the way our children are educated, the way adults are educated, will look completely different than the way it is happening today. The economic systems will, could be completely different than the way are, than they are today. The scientific um, community could really begin to, um, I mean, as they are at the moment, but continue to really expand and really bring mankind into a whole new way of living so that in, in 10, 20, 30 years down the road, the way that we live today, the way that we earn a living today, the way that we pay for the food on our table, all these things will be quite different in the, in the near future. You know, have you ever uh, looked into the Venus Project at all? Have you, uh, are you familiar with uh, that theory, the Venus Project? No, I'm not. Okay, the Venus Project is something that was put together by the gentleman, uh, by a gentleman by the name of Jack Fresco, I believe is his name. Uh, it's a utopian society basically set in the future, you know, how we could live if, you know, we got away from the monetary system and from pretty much society as we have, a, a structured society as we have today. Uh, is that kind of, do you think the, the steps that we're going to eventually take that will lead us to, you know, evolving a little bit more and accepting well, is, this avatar? Well, the, the avatar is at a very high vib vibration. And so what Emery in this book is that he introduces these, this, this knowledge of the avatar, and then he has nine pathways very distinct pathways of how to connect to that avatar. And so what the, the basis of this all is that the, the energy field of the avatar is of a dimension, of an energy field that, that is accelerated. Okay. So when, when we are able to, in our consciousness, move to that inner part within us and connect to that very accelerated energy field, then, then that avatar is able to, to work through us and is okay. able to, however we, we can impact society, however we can impact our family, our community, um, you know, the individuals that we meet in life, then we're able to also help them change their vibration. And then the more and more people whose vibrations have changed, the more and more you know, we move out of the, the darkness and the chaos right. and the ignorance that we live in at the moment. William, let me ask you, does this have anything to do with uh, the, the coming of the age of Aquarius, the, the change of the, of the ages from PCs to Aquarius? Does this, does this have anything to do with that as well? It has a bit to do with it, but as you know, we have entered many, many ages of Aquarius. Right. And so just because we've entered the age of Aquarius and we're leaving, leaving the Piscean age is not necessarily the reason that we're in this position. What, what is happening is that we are in a very, how can we say it, um, we're at that critical point. Hmm. Mankind is at that critical point so that we could either flip into... We're at the cusp, into a really, basically. We're, at, we're in the danger point, the cusp. Yeah. We could either go into a golden age or we could drop into, as Emery said, a, a hideous, 
Hollywood kind of nightmare scenario. We're so, almost there. But yeah. <laughs> well, it's it's we're, and we're teetering. So mm-hmm. what what Emory has, has been focusing on is that the more and more people are aware that there's help, that there's help present, that there's help on the inner levels, that when they can, in spite of all of the crises they're going through and whatever you know, health issues or economic issues or um, you know, having your your house flooded or, or burnt down, all the things that we are struggling with, in spite of all that, you're able to connect to that to that inner being within, that inner um, your true being within. And by connecting to that true being, then this high energy field of the avatar can really come in and, and guide you through the, the minefields of what's happening today. You know, William, entering this show tonight, I talked about ancient aliens and, and how I was trying to get away from, uh, you know, certain promoting certain individuals within the ufology community because of some of the stuff they're doing. Uh, the more I do these shows, the more I talk to people within certain communities, the more I start to realize how it really all goes back to spirituality and to uh, the involvement of human beings and looking for something to connect with outside of the normal world. Uh, that, uh, you know, it, it's funny that you talk about the Avatar tonight because I've been uh, really interested, interested in, you know, Christ, the Buddha, and a lot of the avatars of the past. And, uh, you know, it's, it's a fascinating subject, but for people out there who are not believers, you know, who don't exactly believe, you know, what, what you're saying tonight, uh, what would you tell them, you know, so they could kind of get to the point where they could kind of open their minds to the subject? Well, it's, it's, it's in the air, and it's in nature, and it's in the planet. So whether you believe in previous avatars, that's your choice. But what you can believe is believe in the energy of nature itself. Right. Or believe in that there's, there's, a, there's a, something's happening in the air, something's changing, and... Yes, if you look in the news and, and, and all the, the crises that are going on the planet, that's happening. But at the same time that that is happening, there's also an incredible new energy coming into the planet, a new um, spark, a new possibility of hope. And I've said this on some other interviews, but if you're able to really connect to nature in some way, you begin to realize that nature itself is also accelerating. Right. Nature itself is opening up. Look at the clouds someday and just out of your mind, not thinking about it, but just observe clouds or observe trees or observe an animal or just walk in the forest or walk on the beach and, and just feel, just open yourself up and feel what's happening. There is there's an energy change. Nature itself is, is waking up to this, to this energy and you can participate in that by You know, one question that I think most people will have, though, William, is why is it that it's coming to us this time this way and not as, you know, people believe it's come in the past in the form of human flesh or in a a person? Because if it it came in in a a single individual, then, which has happened in the past, that becomes very localized and wars come about. Oh, we seem to have lost William. Let's see if we can get him back online. He's kind of like fading in and out there for a second. 
let's see. We'll cut that and edit that later. So you guys in the podcast will never know what just happened. But until we get him back, this is going to be a little bit uncomfortable dead air. There you go. William, Hello? are you there? Yes, we lost you. Your phone died out there and just dropped off. Uh, sorry about that. Continue. If it if that avatar incarnated into a particular country and a particular person, then the impact would be very limited, and it would not be able to reach all of mankind simultaneously. So what is needed now is that this avatar can connect to 7 billion people on this planet if they are able to, to open up and feel that energy. So it's not limited to, to the Middle East or to... Right. India or to China or, I mean, if some avatar came into America, it would become a, um, you know, a media hoopla. I mean, it would be inconceivable what, what would happen. So the inner energies, the inner beings that are working with this planet are very intelligent. They know that we're in crisis and they know what could possibly happen in the future. So they have always been watching us. They always will watch us. And so what they do is that they, at certain moments, choose to do certain things to really help mankind move along, help mankind step out of his and her limited ways and really open up to what we've been destined to be. And that's a real possibility and could very well happen in our lifetimes. Now, do you think that also one reason that the, if there is an avatar that's going to uh, come back to Earth, that it's coming this way because most people probably wouldn't believe if somebody says that they're the avatar in today's day and age? Like, do you think that might be a partly a reason? Because it's really hard, you know, when you have people like David Koresh come out and certain individuals come out over the last 30 years uh, who have claimed to be Jesus incarnate. In fact, there's a guy in Russia right now in Siberia calling himself the uh, Jesus of Siberia. And this man has a cult following, has hundreds of people that live in a small community that he's built right out of Russia. And, you know, people believe that this guy is uh, the, the avatar. They believe he is the, the reincarnation of Jesus. And there's many more like that has sprung up over the last 20, 30 years. Do you think that might be a reason why if we do get another real avatar, if there is such a thing, that it would come in this form instead of actually manifesting itself in a human form? Do you think that might play something to do with it? Very well could be, and I'm not the one to to make comment on that because I have no idea, you know, the inner workings of of, of how things are, are manifesting on the planet. <laughs> what I what I do know is that this this mystery of the avatar is something that is accelerating year by year, month by month, week by week, day by day, minute by minute. And there's many things that are happening simultaneously with that, one of which is that the walls between the worlds that we live in, of course we live in this physical world, and we know that physical world, but there are inner worlds, the astral in particular, which is the world that we go to when we dream or when we die. What is happening is that the walls between these two worlds, the physical world and the astral world, are getting thinner. And they're, they're getting thinner year by year, month by month, week by week, day by day. So what that means is that in the not-too-distant future, 
the human beings that are sitting in their living room watching perhaps television or whatever they're doing in the evening could very well be sitting next to one of their relatives who had passed over a few years prior. But because the walls between these two worlds are so thin, there's, there's no fear of death. They are able to, to communicate with each other, see each other, experience each other. So our whole way that we live on this planet would be completely altered. And because of that, our consciousness would also be quite altered because we would have a greater understanding of what it means to incarnate into a body and what it means to be a, a spirit outside of the body and that huge crisis that we go through when we're born because for the soul it's quite a crisis to come into an incarnation into a body and likewise for that body that personality to go back to the other side for most of us is a huge crisis so when that begins to diminish then we have a whole nother perspective of what being human on this planet is all about it really begs the question why go through all the trouble going from one side to the other and living one life and then going back and forth and reincarnating you know that's always a question that i've had william in back of my mind why go through all the trouble what's the purpose of the whole thing well for one thing we we don't have a choice and we have been we have been designed this may make sense to some people but we have been designed by a committee meaning not that we were designed by a single cosmic entity, but we've been kind of put together by various different entities. So we kind of come about by committee. So we have some problems. Being any, If you've been in committee and you try to get projects done, you know the dynamics of working with many, many people. Everyone has their own different opinion, and you kind of end up with the best possible results satisfying everyone. So the human being, in a sense, is like that. It has been designed and on occasion scratched and then started over again. So to answer your question, we really have no choice to incarnate because that's part of the way we have been designed. And what it means is that the, the soul, the soul itself, constantly incarnates because the soul has a destiny and the destiny involves something that it can only do with a personality and a body so it constantly has to come down and incarnate into a body so that personality or that body in some particular lifetime can connect with that soul Emery refers to that as a soul infused personality and when that happens then you are taken to the next level or you're taken to the next level of evolution, meaning that you no longer need to incarnate into a physical body because then the soul is then able to move on to the next um, point of evolution or the next path of evolution. Hmm. That's, you know, that's fascinating the way you put that. It's, it really does marry evolution with spirituality, but it kind of also hints at, you know, not there not being a single God, but multiple gods. So will you then go with the theory that maybe we were created by extraterrestrials? That, well, it depends how you define extraterrestrials. 
because that can that can open up a whole can of worms. Right. Well, technically, God is an extraterrestrial, no matter how you look at him, because he wasn't on this planet. You know, wasn't born here. You know, he's from somewhere else. Whether it's a mystical God or an alien from another planet, uh, either way, it's still extraterrestrial from this planet. But to, to clarify the question, do you think that maybe we were engineered by ET? You know, actual aliens from other worlds, and they are our gods, as you know we know it. And they have this whole matrix they've built in, and we're living in the matrix that they built for us. That's stretching a bit, because okay. what we, well, what we we have them be created by, in more technical terms, the the gods and goddesses, and these are very. Um, this gets into cosmo, you know, this pretty heavy metaphysics. But we have been created by by cosmic beings who have given us particular bodies. So that what that means is that our astral body or emotional body is a body that was created by the lunar gods. And then we also have a mental body and we also have a soul body. Each of those bodies was created by uh, the Elohim, the, the gods and goddesses. But what has happened is that because we have been given the task of coming down all the way to the physical plane, there was no gods or goddesses that could create a body for us on the physical plane. So what happened was that they had to utilize an animal body. So what happened is that our inner bodies were created by these, by these um, servants of, of the divine, by the Elohim, by the gods and goddesses, and that they were able to, they, they had to rely on a human body to, to incarnate these inner bodies so that the, a person could become, become, become conscious on the physical plane. So we are we are as in essence part animal and part divine. That I understand where you're going with that, but again, it kind of still it, it still leaves it up in the air because you're talking about many gods and goddesses. So in other words, there really isn't one single god, and and the way you're describing it. Well, no, there there is there is a a, a god behind all that. There is a divine okay. consciousness behind all that. And that divine consciousness has has a plan, has a plan for the whole universe, has a plan for every um, for every star in the universe, has a plan for for every planet in the universe, has a has a plan for every species on on all of these planets, and all the you know supposed ETs and everything else that you want to say, they're also part of that plan, and they are at different points in evolution. It might understand that, that this singular God then had his workers, in other words, the Elohim, the goddess and god and gods that I guess were under him create us. Is that kind of the, expl- the explanation? That's that's as I understand it. That's and that's how Emery has has taught that okay. they are working under the the divine plan. They know the divine plan and they do the best they can to to create what is necessary to bring about that divine plan. Okay. And the, 
divine plan again you know i have this is something that i've always had an issue with with the church when it comes to the divine plan what is exactly is the divine plan at the end of the day because i mean again it goes back to my initial question you know what's the purpose of, of everything you know why go through the trouble well some people say we go through the trouble for for the play of it okay that it, that it, well leela you know the, the play we are involved in the play we are actors and actresses on the stage of life and we are playing roles and that at, at once may seem a little sliverous but what what it is is that the the divine has reached out and has created multiplicity of experiences and incredible possibilities for everything. And so what is happening is that we're all experiencing all the possibilities of what is possible. And what that means is that as we become more and more tuned in to this energy field itself, we begin to experience more and more of what the divine experiences. And then what happens is that you're able to bring about and manifest more of what the divine has intended us to accomplish. Hmm. It still it leaves me asking exactly, you know, why the, why bother? I mean, I still don't understand. It, forgive me, Willie. Maybe it's just my small peanut brain doesn't really wrap its head around the whole purpose of everything. But that's a tough one to ask anybody, really, because at the end of the day, really, we don't know, you know, the, the exact purpose. Uh, I mean, there's no concrete uh, way to really know what the exact divine plan is at the end of the day. I think you would both agree on that, right? Exactly, yes. Okay. But what I but I can say is we've been I mean our, our, we have incarnated ten thousand times on this planet. Wow. Each of us we have we have been here many 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 times, and so we have had enormous experiences. Our soul is so infinitely wise compared to one manifestation, one personality, one persona, one mask that is worn for a lifetime. Of, of that soul itself. So that, that soul is, is infinitely wise, in, infinitely brilliant, and what, to understand this whole thing, not from the personality perspective, but from the soul perspective, the soul is constantly incarnating so that at one point in time, that soul can, as I said this earlier that soul can really unite with that being, with that personality, with that animal body and transform that animal body into what Christ did 2,000 years ago, the transfiguration, the, the, the resurrection, so that animal body becomes light, a radiation of light, a manifestation of the light, a light so strong that it can move up the planes in evolution and not continually have to be coming back into incarnation into a physical body. It almost really feels like we're playing a video game with reality. We live in a video game of reality. And we you know, are... That, goes, that kind of goes back to the whole hologram, holographic universe theory. 
in a sense. We are we are a, a, a shadow of of a much greater reality. We are the you know the the puppet, the shadow puppets of a much greater reality. We think that what we live is is the, is the truth, and it is for us because that's the way we experience it. But when our when our consciousness expands, and I mean that in a very literal sense, when our energy field around us is greater than just our, our you know tight little brains or our tight little bodies, when our auric field opens up. Then you begin to experience the 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 whole the, the Tao the the yin and the yang the 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 greater um, energy field that's on this planet and you begin to participate in that and then you know intuitively you know what must be done and you go about your business in a very humble way not broadcasting or ego attention kind of things but in a very humble way doing what you need to do to to help things to help mankind move along in in, in his evolutionary path let me ask you uh william what do you feel of society the way it is right now what, what's your biggest fear with the way we're heading as a society probably my biggest fear is that we become so so locked into technology we have become so so obsessed with information so obsessed obsessed with computers and cell phones that we're no longer able to relate to another human being we can only text them or we only can relate to a television screen or a computer screen or, or what we're told through through the media and we're not able to think ourselves and we're not able to experience nature ourselves or experience the the smile of a young child next to us because we're so locked into to this whole communication and and technological world that we live in yeah it does seem like the this emergence of technology is really taking over the almost the mundane things that we've taken for granted like communication between people face to face interactions on a daily basis uh, it really does seem like now you could just skype somebody you don't have to really talk to them in person you know there's uh, that that whole there's almost like a walls being put up between people with well, and it's also but that is part of of what we're moving into in the aquarian age right because the aquarian age is a very mental age and it's very very focused on communication so in a sense that's part that's unavoidable that's just the way you know, for the next 2,000 years, life is going to be like this on this planet. And that's part of the reason why we are in such a crisis, because what is also happening is we're becoming more and more materialistically focused and losing our sense of what it be, means to be a human being. So because of that, there is, there is help from the inner levels. There is help to help us through this crisis of the next 2,000 years so that we can avoid that, that horrible materialistic dictatorship kind of society with hellish kind of possibilities going on. What we're trying to do is to avoid all that, still keep humanity, that threat of humanity alive so that through the next 2,000 years we will still be 
on this planet, still human and still connected to what it means to be a human being. William, how how happy were you when 2012 came and went and nothing tragic or, or terrible happened that destroyed this planet? I, I mean, how how happy were you? Just uh, uh, did, did you? I mean, I'm pretty sure just about everybody, and I'm pretty sure you're you're with the rest of us that you were pretty much knowing that nothing was going to happen anyway. There was just a, you know a bunch of hype. But I mean, you know, we all kind of had that sigh of relief when nothing happened. Uh, but one thing that they've been talking about for a long time is the alignment of the galaxy and the planets and all that stuff and how that was going to be the trigger to to bring in the new age of awareness. Is that in any way at all connected to this Avatara possibly coming back? That, I don't know the answer to that one. Okay. Um, the, the Avatar has been around for many, many years and will be around for perhaps another even thousand years. But what is critical and Emory had said this on a number of occasions, is that there's this 20-year window period of time that is the most critical of, of any time. And we're right in the middle, probably maybe in the first quarter of that, maybe we have three quarters left to go of that 20-year window that's so critical. So the time now is very critical. In 2012, yes, it came in and went, and thankfully nothing serious happened. And, but that doesn't mean that we won't have crises in the near future or in the immediate future. There are so much energy coming to the planet. So many things are getting stirred up. So many people are getting stirred up. So many people are not reacting well to this energy that's coming on the planet. The, the violence in this country in particular is, is out of control. The violence in other countries is, is Boarding on the edge of being out of control, so we're not out of the darkness yet. Well, no, I mean the way we're going, we're gonna we're heading right into the darkness. You know, it, it's uh, you're absolutely right. You know, there's a lot of violence that is you know been especially on the media when you you can't even watch the news anymore because every night it's just something terrible happened, somebody killed somebody. It's all you know the violence nonstop, and again, a lot of that is conditioning by the media, which is part of the government, and they do this as conditioning, so they always show you the bad stuff that happens. They don't show you anything good that ever happens in the world because that's kind of like what sells, right? It's negativity. Now. Now, that is a conditioning that's been going on. I think we're going to have to break that conditioning with the, within even the media to be able to move past where we are in this stage of our evolution. Uh, unfortunately, I don't, think that ha- I don't think that's going to happen anytime soon, to be honest with you. I, I think we're going to continue to have this bombardment of negativity from the, me- from the media, from mainstream media, more importantly. And that, that, I think, is what really is the cause of a lot of the problems because they're kind of conditioning people to do more violence. Would you agree with that? The violence begets violence, yes. Right. And and just the focus on on the violent films we watch, the the violent video games that the children are playing, the obsession with with guns, and and the media plays a part of all that. It, it's like a um, you know spitting out of control, and it's I mean it's part of the darkness that we're in. It's part of the crisis that the planet's in. It's something that people really have to get a grip on within of what's really true and and really stand strong in their humanness to really take a stand to to make some of these changes now where do you stand on gun control for example what, you know what's your position on that debate 
That's a tough one. The um, there are. Let me answer it in another different way. There are definitely sick individuals, mm-hmm. and and have them them having access to guns is is unconscionable. But what is also, from an inner level, what is also happening is that because the energy on this planet is accelerating, and because if anybody is not stable within, they are not able to handle this acceleration of energy. So unfortunately, they tend to act out in very violent ways, unfortunately with guns, they're they're in balance. They're 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 un, they're unable to handle the energy that's coming into them, and they react in very bizarre ways. And that's not going to stop in the near future, because what's happening is the energy on the planet is increasing, and what we need is more and more people to help those that are that are not able to handle it, to help them move through whatever crisis that they're in, have have them alert enough or aware enough to know that someone's in trouble and to, to steer them in the right direction to, to help in whatever way that's possible to, to avoid some of these hideous crimes that's been happening. You know, it's, uh, it's funny how guns have become vilified um, as the bad guy, but you would agree, though, that even if they took away guns, for example, that people will still find a way to commit crimes. I think, you know, there's other countries where guns have been removed from a major part of the population and, and other crimes still, you know, go on the rise. It's, it's almost more like it, it's embedded already in society. You, wouldn't you agree with that? It's more, almost like people have this inner evil that seems to be coming out more and more in the last, you know, 20, 30 years. Well, the way Emory describes it is that we, what we see, we become. Right. And he means that in a very profound way because what he's saying is that our subconscious body, our astral body, our subconscious feminine body, whatever you put in front of you, she, your subconscious, not your conscious mind or your rational mind, but your subconscious mind, your emotional mind, assumes that's what you want. So she, your subconscious mind, brings about that possibility. So if we constantly have violent images in front of us or violent music in front of us, then our subconscious mind assumes that's what we want and then brings about conditions to manifest that. And likewise, if you put images of beauty or images of um, truth or beautiful music, if that is put in front of you, then your subconscious mind says, oh, that's what you want to become and then brings about your whole life force to manifest those image, images or those energies. Right. Now, let me ask you, is this the, the second or the third book now that you edit for uh, Emory? I believe it's the third. The third, right? There was, yeah, there was the Planetary Transformation and the Warrior Code, and this is the, um, the new planetary reality. New planetary reality. And, uh, you know, when did he release this originally? Or was it edited just for the U.S. version? I mean, did he release this overseas first? No, it's been released worldwide. And it's been okay. released, I think, at the end of last year. It's when it, oh, okay. um, it was released. Oh, okay. All right. We'll be right back here on Inside the Jackal Shed with more Mr. William Von Holst. <laughs> 
Imagine having the freedom to take live talk radio with you anywhere you go. You'll be surprised how easy it is to use. So I think what's going on here is that Obama is banking on unemployment falling. Listen to live talk shows 24 hours a day, 7 days a week. Talk stream live. Now available in the iTunes app store. Hello, Professor Wilberforce Peabody here, on assignment for Unraveling the Secrets. I'm coming to you from the lichen-coated plateau of Ling, where I've been studying the orgiastic rites of the bestial and subhuman pygmy inhabitants. Once each week, these deviant creatures consume vast quantities of lichen stimulants and fermented yak urine, and work themselves into a feverish state while listening to Unraveling the Secrets, thus ensuring the continuation of their species. They found that the show encourages growth in the entire cerebral cortex and cerebellum, resulting in enhanced desire and fertility for males and females alike. Don't be outbred by these promiscuous denizens of the underworld. Listen to the Unraveling the Secrets each week, and do your part to ensure the propagation of the human race before it's too late. Elizabeth Taylor, movie legend. We lost her too soon. Gone, but not forgotten. Now, you can own an authentic piece of movie history. Elizabeth Taylor's Ashes. In a small commemorative urn. Remember, remember. I want you to forget me, please. For just $29.95 plus shipping and handling, we'll send you an ounce of real superstar soot. Elizabeth Taylor, movie legend. You can have a piece of her forever. Command performances leave me quite cold. Call today. Hurry. Quantities are limited. There's a war going on in the streets. It's the War on Thirst. Sprunk is winning the War on Thirst with the new grenade-shaped cans. Hey, yo, pull the pin and blow your thirst right off in that brand new taste explosion. Boom! Now that's the sound of refreshment. Sprunk, go AWOL from the Cola Wars with an energizing mix of lemon, lime, ten times the caffeine and sugar. Plus, mercury and benzene for that extra pop. Yo, it'll bring the temperature right up and the bubbles. Other beverages use carbon dioxide. We use ether to kick up that phase. Thanks to all that mercury, you won't remember anything that tasted so good. Now pick up a Sprunk Thermonuclear six-pack. Kill thirst and liven up the party. Sauce your friends with Sprunk in the grenade-shaped can and enter the Sprunk sweepstakes where you can win a real case of grenades. Sprunk, blow your thirst right off in that brand new taste explosion. Four years ago, a doorway was opened and evil came to the sleepy little town of Coral Beach, Florida. Existing in the shadows, it has remained unknown, building strength, biding time, and feeding on the hearts and souls of the weak. That is about to change. The time has come to reap what was sown, as the death toll rises in an orgy of spilled blood. All that stands between the town and total annihilation is a broken-down pastor and a handful of life's cast-offs. To win, they must first understand what they are facing. To lose means to bring hell to earth. Coming soon, Friend, the terrifying new novel from storyteller Franklin E. Wales. 
Details at FranklinEWales.com. Look up in the sky. It's a bird. It's a plane. No, it's SupermanHomePage.com, the number one Superman fan site in the world. SupermanHomePage.com, covering the world of Superman from the 1930s to today. News, reviews, rumors, and reports. SupermanHomePage.com for all your Superman comics, TV shows, movies, cartoons, radio shows, and more. Everything. Thing you ever wanted to know about the Man of Steel and more. SupermanHomePage.com Here's a riddle for you. What do the California Gold Rush of the 1850s, secret societies, coded messages, mysterious 19th century flying machines, and an early 20th century outside artist named Charles A.A. A. Delshaw all have in common? The Secrets of Delshaw by Dennis Crenshaw and Pete Navarro. Go to www.secretsofdelshaw.com to learn more. Put a team of professional consultants behind your home or business computer with Key Information Solutions. Providing solutions to your internet and computing needs while keeping you on the cutting edge of technology. Preventative maintenance and networking support. Hardware and custom built computers. Let Key Information Solutions be your personal tech staff for your home or office with affordable hourly, monthly, or annual rates to fit anyone's budget. Call Key Information Solutions now. 954-973-3374. That's 954-973-3374. Or visit keyinformation.com. Get the SoFlow VIP Toolbar. It's free. Way. Be a SoFlow VIP and get free stuff. Sponsor discounts. Free apps. Special promotions. And more SoFlow fun. Download our VIP Toolbar at SoFlowVIP.com. It's free. If you have any questions, please call in 786-245-8127. Also want to encourage everybody listening in. All of you listening on Shopcast right now, there's a lot of you listening in. Please make your way over to the uh, chat room, which is right on psn-radio.com. You see the big old banner right on the very top of the website. It says, click here for the chat room. Can't miss it. Click on there, go to the chat room, and start chatting up with the rest of the folks in there. Please do it right now, psn-radio.com. Anyway, William, we're back for the last 15 minutes uh, on the show here with you. And, you know, we have a lot of folks in the chat room, and we're talking about this, you know, off air. But there's a lot of folks in the chat room already talking about uh, what we've been talking about on the air here. And the whole concept of the Avatar really is a tough one for people to grasp their minds around. It's, it's just it, it's hard for some folks to understand exactly what the Avatar was, what the Avatar is. What possibilities, you know, something like this could bring. Uh, because this is even people that might understand Jesus or Buddha or one of the, or past avatars. You know the way you're describing this, 
incarnation of the next Avatar is really something that is mind-boggling for most of us. It's very mind-boggling, and it's science fiction, and it's out of this world. And talking about ETs, this is probably the ultimate ET that we have ever experienced and perhaps ever will experience. And I know it's a tough subject, and it's tough for me to talk about it and tough to give it justice, but to clarify, I know there's many, many people in the East especially have been claiming to be avatars, and that is a huge misconception. They are misconceived. This notion or this energy of the avatara does not happen very often on this planet. It happened... 2,000 years ago, it happened 2,500 years ago, it happened perhaps 6,000 years ago with Kuan Yin, and it is moments when the planet is in enormous crises, which we are, of course, at the moment, and it is a response from the inner levels who have been and always have been observing what we do on this planet and trying in the best way that they are able to to have an impact on us and not, and this is also, it's actually straight out of Star Trek, but these, these inner beings can't come down or, or can't control us. We have free will. That's part of what it means to be a human being. You have free will. You can choose what you want. So there's, there's no higher consciousness that can impose itself on you and and blank out your mind and make you do things or or steer Isn't, your life in a doesn't particular that contradict way. Though, doesn't that contradict, though, an earlier statement saying that, you know, we're pretty much stuck on this course and there's nothing really we could do about it? Because that kind of takes away our free will, doesn't it? You had no choice. No, but what it is is that we we ask for help. And if, if you ask for help, then help will come. So it's it's... It is our free choice. We have, a, we have a choice to not ask for help, and we have a choice to ask for help. When we do ask for help, then what we're doing is we're setting up a, a current of energy or a opening of doors. So what that means is that the, the inner levels then are able to respond to us because we have opened ourselves up and we're asking for help. And that's the same way... With, with the avatar, the avatar is, is never going to impose itself on anyone unless that person is opening up within and asking for the help of the avatar, then the avatar itself can, can help and steer that person in the right direction to, to help their life and to help a greater good. So, I mean, what was, is this next avatar is this still a conscience a conscient being just a, in a spiritual form is that you know really what it is or i mean I, it, i'm still trying to understand exactly what the avatar would be probably the easiest way to describe it would be a, a matrix of energy that surrounds the planet and but also a, a matrix of energy that is not just here on the physical dimension, but is also on the astral dimension, the mental dimension, the dimension of your soul, and all the dimensions past your soul. There are many, many, many dimensions that exist simultaneously, and this avatar exists on all dimensions simultaneously, and so then when we can go within, when we can touch into our inner 
parts within ourselves, then we have access, we're able to, to breathe in the, the vibration of the avatar itself. Guys, we're sitting here with William Van Holst, the editor of Emery Valions, and I'm pretty sure I, I butchered that, right, William? That's, you that's right. good. No, that's good. Emery Valions. That's good. Valian. Uh, Emery Valians, this gentleman is the editor of three of his books. We're talking right now about the avatars. Now, if anybody is familiar with the avatar, uh, please call in and give us your two cents on the subject. I really like to hear from people out there listening in. Again, 786-245-8127. But, uh, William, again, you're saying it's an energy, a force of energy around the earth, around humanity. Um, why humanity? I mean, there is a lot of other planets. Are other planets in the universe experiencing this same thing as we are, or is this avatar kind of going from planet to planet with life and doing it one at a time? Well, I'm not sure I can answer some of that, what you're asking. What I do know is that the planet Earth is in trouble. Planet Earth is in huge trouble. Planet Earth is having an impact on this whole solar system, the the whole energy field of our solar system is being affected by the, the craziness of what human beings are doing. So we're pretty powerful. There's Little seven planet billion, Earth is having that kind of influence on the whole universe. Not on our solar system. <laughs> Not the universe. Perhaps on our solar system. Someday. No, I, I, it's, it's I, affecting I, us. It's, it's affecting because everything's connected. Everything is one. What, mm. what, we do, what we do to our neighbors, what we do to our own thoughts impacts others. So we, we don't live alone. So whatever we do impacts the whole everything. So we're in trouble. Planet Earth is, is descending. You would agree, into, though, that planet Earth has been in trouble for thousands of years then because, I mean, things have not gotten better. It's only gotten worse but, periodically. And then it gets better for a little while, and then it gets worse again. And then it gets better, and then it gets worse. That's kind of like what it's been for the few thousand years. And unfortunately, we're, we're going down in a dark pattern or could be going down in a dark pattern. And so we are, we are being helped. We are being helped in the, by the invisible dimensions. And the help that we are getting is, is unimaginable. And most of us, unfortunately, are blind to the help that we are receiving. But when you're able to, to open your eyes or to, to feel in your heart, or to, to hear in the inner dimensions the, the enormous help that we are receiving, you break down and cry. You you embarrassed. You you begin to understand life in a completely different way than you've understood in the past. Hmm. Honestly, I, I mean, I, I'm I'm not a very religious person or a spiritual person myself, uh, but I could see somebody else having that experience. Uh, have you been in, in contact with people since you've edited, you know, this book that have shared their experience with you? Yes. Okay. Yes. Yeah. Yes. I've I've had radio interviews and I've I've talked with with the the interviewer and they have um, said in reading this book, the new planetary reality, that they have, in their words, they almost got high reading this book. <laughs> because, well, because the vibration of the book is, is so clear and it brings all these very complicated kind of ideas into, into very clear language and the energy of the avatar, that, that clarity of, of, of what this entity is trying to do is so clear in these pages. I remember 
um, last year in New Zealand, I was sitting in coffee shops in Auckland, and I was reading over the manuscript. And every morning I'd go to a coffee shop, and I would read the, the manuscript over and over and over again. And I would walk out of the coffee shop high as a kite. And for the rest of the day, I was in this just really high, high state. So that, that when you open yourself up to that energy field, it doesn't matter if you're religious, it doesn't matter if you're spiritual, it, you know, you can get past all those, those blockages and just kind of open yourself up to a possibility of incredible change or open yourself up to the possibility that nature itself is changing, that the energy on this planet is changing, and that there's a change that can bring about enormous good. There's change that can bring about a, a society that will really be a society that will endure for a long time and endure because it's a really good place to live, not because it's a bunch of people trying to to survive and get through life the best they can with all the, the, the dramas that we all go through. That's, that's really not how we're supposed to be living on this planet. So there's a possibility that we can change that, and that is happening now. And the more and more people that can step out of their limitations, step out of not just being dictated by their thoughts, but open themselves up to something greater and that something greater can help them move into the true nature of who they are. That's interesting, and I hope a lot of people out there are able to do that. Unfortunately, I don't think uh, a lot of us uh, understand exactly how to get to that point, uh, William, and uh, that's, I think, one of the major problems that we're going to be facing as a society. You know, Michio Kaku, one of the great scientists out today, uh, said that we're a type zero civilization. You know the way you're the way you're describing society and the way we have to evolve sounds a lot like his type one civilization. And uh, I don't know if you're familiar at all with what you know Michio has said over the years about the, the types of civilizations that are possible. Uh, but it's very much so like the very next step within that evolution for mankind. So it it, it is kind of in line with what science is saying, they're not using the avatar, for example, but they're using other parts of our evolution as, as a species. Uh, so, again, there is some scientific basis to that. Now, do you think this science eventually will catch up with stuff like that you're working on and, and maybe marry the two together? Because it, it does seem like the more science, you know, evolves, the more kind of, you know, it tells you that, well, wait a second, there is something more to this than just, you know, science. There's a little bit more to it all than what we believe. When science can really focus on not just mechanical gadgets, but can really pick up vibrations and are able to pick up what is happening on the inner dimensions, then science will move exponentially into another whole expression that most of us would not recognize today. Right. Now, of course, when I say science, I'm talking about even going back to Albert Einstein when he was around. You know, his, William, I know you're, you're familiar with E equals MC square and a lot of his theories. You know, his basic theory was that there was other dimensions. Space and time is a dimension, fourth, fifth, sixth dimensions. Now, are, are we talking about a similar structure like Albert Einstein was talking about? Oh, absolutely. There, there are, absolutely. And, and of course, he, he proved it mathematically. Right. And it was all kind of theoretical in his mind. But when science today, when they can, because we're so reliant on mechanical gadgets and measuring what a gadget can, can measure, 
we're limited to just this physical dimension or perhaps maybe the etheric dimension. But when science begins to refine their gadgets and be able to tune into or be able to measure or register what it's like in the after-death condition or measure what it's like at the dimension of your soul itself or measure what it's like beyond the soul itself, that world, there are many worlds past the soul itself. These dimensions are very real. They are at a vibration so high that we don't experience them. We, science cannot approach them at this point. But in the future, as I said earlier, because some of these walls are, are thinning between these worlds, the world, we, these worlds will begin to merge. And as these worlds merge, then we'll be able to experience it, and then it will become much more real. That's, you know, that, that's a very good possibility, uh, especially the way I see science evolving, too. I mean, it, it's a very, very likely possibility that there will be that merger in the very near future. I mean, it's, it's extremely possible. Just from, you know, everything from even super string theory and stuff like that, that really goes into an in- extremely different realm. Uh, if you want to, you know, start talking about stuff like that, but it really almost goes back to uh, there being that other realm, which again goes back to the other side, whatever the other side is, you know, whatever that other dimension is, uh, whatever wherever that heavenly body is. But William, we're almost out of time here, and I wanted to thank you so much for being back on the show here, and I've had a blast having you on for the full hour here. I want to, you know, give you this chance to tell everybody how to get a hold of you and and you know get the book. Obviously, they can get it on Amazon, right? Even Amazon, there's also a publishing company, www.soundinglight.com. And there's also a website that talks about the group and what Emory's doing and classes around the world. And that is www.planetary-transformation.org. Awesome. And uh, what is, are you going to have another book in the, the future that you're going to edit for Emory, or are you working on anything else uh, in the near future? We're working on a book, um, perhaps comes out at the end of this year, and okay. tentatively the title is called A New Heaven and a New Earth. And it will be a follow-up to this book that I've been talking about tonight, The New Planetary Reality, and it's what life could be like in the near future or middle, not-too-distant future when this energy is really beginning to manifest, what the scientific world will look like, what the educational world will look like, what the economic world would be like, what how life would be when when these when we get through this t- tough time that we're in now, and these energies really begin to flourish and change humanity. There, you know what? Uh, whether you believe in the, the upcoming Avatar, or whether you don't believe, I think we all have to believe in one thing, uh, William. And one thing I think we could all agree on is there has to be some kind of a change uh, that has to take place within human beings and within society. Period. Uh, just because we need it. I mean, the way things are right now, it's not good, and it's not getting any better. Uh, like I said, it's been bad for a long time, but there's like a wave that happens throughout the, throughout history where it's bad for a long time, then it gets good, then it gets bad. Uh, I'm trying to see some consistency and just keep it good for a long period of time. So, uh, you know, that's something that I think we get all agree on that we need on this planet. We need that positive wave of positive stuff happening to humanity. Uh, you know, and again, William, thank you so much for spending your time here with us. And hopefully we can have you back on a lot sooner than, you know, it took for, to have you back on from last time. Sounds good. Take care, sir. Have yourself a great night. Thank you very much. Bye-bye.
Take care. Guys, that's uh, Mr. William Van Holst, again, the editor for Emery Valion. And uh, for whatever reason, I always feel like I butcher his name. But anyway, we're going to take a quick commercial break. We're going to come back for the last uh, few minutes of the show. I have a couple of news uh, clips I want to talk about, uh, a couple of news articles that I want to read, and uh, i got some other stuff that I want to talk about, which has nothing to do with uh, the show tonight, has nothing to do with the guest, uh, just uh, stuff from the movie itself that I'm working on, Deadhead's Evolution. So stick around. We'll be right back in a few minutes on Inside the Jackal's Head. War going on in the streets. It's the War on Thirst. Sprunk is winning the War on Thirst with the new grenade-shaped cans. Hey, yo, pull the pin and blow your thirst right off in that brand new taste explosion. Boom! That's the sound of refreshment. Sprunk, go AWOL from the Cola Wars with an energizing mix of lemon, lime, ten times the caffeine and sugar. Plus, mercury and benzene for the extra pop. Yo, it'll bring the temperature right up and the bubbles. Other beverages use carbon dioxide. We use ether to kick up that phase. Thanks to all that mercury, you won't remember anything that tasted so good. Now pick up a Sprunk Thermonuclear six-pack. Kill thirst and liven up the party. Sauce your friends with Sprunk in the grenade-shaped can and enter the Sprunk sweepstakes where you can win a real case of grenades. Sprunk, blow your thirst right off in that brand-new taste explosion. Did you have problems on your last date? Hey, it's cold in this restaurant. All right, I'll talk to the waiter. And all they got in the menu is fish. Okay, we'll go somewhere else. Ooh, and ride in that dumb car of yours? I'll call a cab. You're such a weenie wimp. If your love life is at a dead end, it's time to call the Jeff Dahmer Dating Service. When you date a Dahmer girl, you'll know she meets Jeff's high standards. No annoying attitude. No bad manners. No pulse. Yes, go to the movies and restaurants you like. Talk about yourself without interruption. And at the end of the evening, never be rejected again. They're unique, they're available, and they're dead. Call the Jeff Dahmer Dating Service. We'll dig up a date for you. Atlanta, Georgia, Greensboro, North Carolina, Charlotte, North Carolina, Chicago, Tampa, Florida, Miami, Dallas, Texas, I don't care where the city is, when you know Ric Flair's in town, ooh, things are taking place. You're talking to the Rolex wearing, diamond ring wearing, kiss stealing, woo, wheeling, dealing, limousine riding, jet flying, son of a gun, and I'm having a hard time holding these alligators down. Hi, this is Boca Jorge of The Brian Rodriguez Show. That's George to you. I'm George's sidekick. <laughs> the second banana. From a long line of second bananas. Letterman has Schaefer, Carson had McMahon, Bishop had Regis. Me? Why, I'm George's Derwood Kirby. Join us daily on The George Rodriguez Show, where we tackle a wide array of hard-hitting topics, such as why Jesus chose not to wear pants, and the misguided television viewing habits of George's wife. Tune in to The George Rodriguez Show, live, 12 to 3, Monday through Friday, on the South Florida Radio Network, SoFloRadio.com. Imagine no longer being tied down to your computer, but having the freedom to take live talk radio with you anywhere you go. TalkStream Live introduces our first ever iPhone application. The talk shows you follow now follow you. 
And your iPhone is now the fastest and easiest way to stay connected to the best talk radio on the Internet. Listen to live talk shows 24 hours a day, 7 days a week. Mobile talk radio from TalkStream Live. Now available in the iTunes App Store. When you're ready to actually lose weight safely and steadily while being monitored by a physician, the Weight Loss Clinic of Dr. Kim Jacobson is there for you. The family medicine practice was established by her father in 1956 and continues as a medical practice that now specializes in weight reduction. Dr. Kim Jacobson joined the practice 20 years ago as both a family medicine practitioner and weight loss specialist. The Weight Loss Clinic utilizes a combination of appetite suppression medication and vitamins to produce great results, usually 3 to 4 pounds per week for most patients. Now you can change your lifestyle while still enjoying your own food, just less of it. They offer a choice of two, three, or four-week plans. So whether you just need to lose a few pounds or a lot, the Weight Loss Clinic of Dr. Kim Jacobson can help you. They're located at 5454 Northeast 4th Avenue in Miami, just two blocks west of 54th Street and Biscayne Boulevard. Call them at 305-751-0091. They'll be happy to answer any and all of your questions. That's 305-751-0091. Get started on a beautiful new body today with Dr. Kim Jacobson and the Weight Loss Clinic. Four years ago, a doorway was opened and evil came to the sleepy little town of Coral Beach, Florida. Existing in the shadows, it has remained unknown, building strength, biding time, and feeding on the hearts and souls of the weak. That is about to change. The time has come to reap what was sown as the death toll rises in an orgy of spilled blood all that stands between the town and total annihilation is a broken down pastor and a handful of life's castoffs to win they must first understand what they are facing to lose means to bring hell to earth coming, coming soon, soon friend the, the terrifying new novel from storyteller, storyteller franklin e wales Details at franklinewales.com. Old Milwaukee just doesn't get any better than this. I mean, sure, the, the moment my first child was born, that was, that was pretty special. And I'll never forget the time I saw the Grand Canyon for the first time. No, you know what? I take that back. It just doesn't get any better than this. Those things are meaningless to me. Go ahead. Pop one open. You'll see what I mean. It just doesn't get any better than what's in the contents of this. Up in the sky. It's a bird. It's a plane. No, it's SupermanHomePage.com, the number one Superman fan site in the world. SupermanHomePage.com, covering the world of Superman from the 1930s to today. News, reviews, rumors, and reports. SupermanHomePage.com, for all your Superman comics, TV shows, movies, cartoons, radio shows, and more. Everything you ever wanted to know about the Man of Steel and more. SupermanHomePage.com
track from the movie Django Unchained and if you guys have not seen Django Unchained I I want to slap every single one of you right upside your dumb heads for not watching this movie go see it it's a, an incredibly well filmed movie it's, it's, a, it's a masterpiece almost really uh, my favorite uh, probably the, my second favorite movie of the year I would say uh, for 2012 number one for me of course was The Dark Knight Rises as a lot of people know but Number uh, two on my list, definitely Django Unchained. Just an amazing film. And that song is so incredible. John Legend, man, he killed it on that song. But anyway, guys, check this out. Huh? You see that? You hear that? That right there is a paper. This is my list. And I, I said it earlier on the show that I had a list of good ufologists and bad ufologists. And I'm going to start off with the bad ufologists. These are the guys that you guys just want to stay away from. You don't want to listen to them. And we're going to talk about them more and more on this show. I started today, obviously, with the ancient alien stuff. Give you a little tidbit of information on there. And I want you guys to do your own homework. Don't take my word for it, okay? Don't listen to me. Don't say, oh, the jackal said it, so it must be true. Because the jackal wouldn't lie to us. Because you never know, the jackal could be lying to you. I don't want you to take my word for it. I want you to do your own damn homework. Go online. Go to your to your library. I know they still have those in your neighborhood. I'm pretty sure there's one in your town somewhere. Go to your library. Research this for yourself, guys. Do your own homework. Start off by going to ancientaliensdebunked.com again and check that out. But here's the list. Bad ufologist. Number one on my list, Billy Myers. That's right, Billy Myers. Can we get a round of applause for Billy Myers as the number one scumbag in all of ufology? All of ufology, like the number one. There's no bigger scumbag than Billy Flippin' Liars, or Billy Myers, there we go, number one. Number two on my list, Eric Von Daniken, again, Ancient Aliens, that whole nonsense, applause, Ancient Aliens, Eric Von Daniken, number two scumbag on my list, Van Daniken. Number three on this list is actually somebody who works as the American pimp for Billy Myers, Mr. Michael Horn, and he's a big old scumbag with his big old head, check him out. Michael Horn, they still fly, right? Michael Horn, they still lie. Michael Horn, applause that man. There we go. Ronald, applause for Michael Horn. All right, next on my list, of course, uh, the bad hair himself, Giorgio Tuberculosis, or Sukulus, or whatever his name is. Giorgio with the bad hair on Ancient Aliens. You, sir, are a scumbag, and you belong on the list of shame as a bad ufologist. Applaud that man. All right. Now, the next guy on this list is somebody who I know people who hate this man more than they hate Lucifer himself. I'm not kidding either. I'm not. That's not a joke. What's up, Marco? Cyanide. Uh, you know this person is extremely hated. 
within the world of ufology by a lot of people who have opened their minds and opened their eyes to the reality that this, is a, that this guy's a liar and a scumbag. Of course, I'm talking about nobody else than David Wilcox. Of course, David Wilcox is a scumbag and a liar. <laughs> David Wilcox, the the worst example for humanity is David Wilcox. This guy is a scumbag to the fullest. He last year said that the world is going to end, that all this stuff is going to happen on 2012. Nothing happened. Again, David Wilcox, scumbag award. You're on the list, buddy. You're a scumbag. Bad ufologist. Now, sticking with the ancient astronaut ancient aliens uh, theory here. I have to go back to somebody who, of course, has been talking about reptilians and lying to the masses for a very long time. None other than Mr. David Icke. David Icke made the list as a terrible ufologist. Applaud that man. Horrible human being. David Icke, you're a scumbag. You've been stealing from people for years. And uh, you know what? I have an audio clip of, of David Icke later, which I will play. And it's absolutely hilarious. Is Jesse Ventura versus... David Icke, and th- this audio clip alone makes me want to vote for Jesse Ventura for president. I'm telling you right now, if he runs, I don't care if he's Republican, Democrat, Independent, he's got my vote, because he took it to this scumbag, David Icke. Now, last on my list for now, because I'm sure I'm going to be adding more people as time evolves, guys, but on this list right now, we have Sean David Morton, another scumbag added to the list. Horrible, horrible human being, that David Sean David Morton guy. You know, David Wilcox, David Icke, Sean David Morton. Just stay away from guys named David. How's that? Huh? No more Davids. Now, that's the list that I have for now, guys, on my bad ufologist list. I do have a list for good ufologists because when there is a bad, there is a good. There's a yin to a yang. And there's always, you know, both sides of every coin. So there is good ufologists, and I have uh, put a few of them together already, people within the ufology community, which, which I think in their own right are doing a good job and are doing right by getting information out to the people, even if sometimes they do get false information, and that's understandable. Some of them do, but you know what? They're still working on getting information out to people. And more importantly, they're doing research, and they're getting to, you know, actually get people to talk about the subject. And uh, they're not promoting cults. They're not promoting themselves as, uh, you know, avatars or, or leaders or anything like that, or teachers. Uh, starting off on the list, Mr. Stephen Bassett, who is one of my heroes in ufology. Applaud him for being on the good ufologist list. The Jackal's good ufologist list, Mr. Stephen Bassett. Now, Stephen Bassett is, of course, a good friend of the show. We've had him on here a bunch of times. Why is Steve Bassett on the list of the good ufologists? Well, easily. You know, Steve Bassett has been pushing the envelope for years with Washington, with, you know, petitioning the White House, with movements uh, that are, you know, really scientifically and appropriately backed. He's not just uh, pushing agendas, you know, just for whatever reason, just to make some money off of it. He's doing it, and a lot of times he doesn't make any money, folks. So a lot of what he does really is to push the right agenda, which is disclosure, which is, hey, U.S. government, if you know something, tell us. That's really what he wants. So I applaud that guy, and he made my list as a good ufologist. Now, on my list, you're also going down the list of good ufologists. I would have to give the next one to Dr. Michael Heiser, Ph.D., the gentleman who enlightened me in so many ways over the last uh, year uh, with this whole ancient alien stuff in Zachariah Sitchin, who, like 
soul anemia and like a lot of other folks, I was completely duped over the the entire Anunnaki, Nibiru, ancient aliens. For a long time, I was really into it. I thought, man, there really could be some truth to this. year ago, I saw some stuff that really made me question that. And then I saw this man's video, and again, Michael Heiser, Dr. Michael Heiser, PhD, applaud him as being on the good list of good ufologists. So there are good ufologists, people. There really are. Now, next on the list, I would have to say, is somebody we brought up earlier on the show here, Dr. Stan Friedman. And I gave my reasons why he would be on the good side of this list, because Stan Friedman, again, is not going out there trying to promote a cult or anything like that. He is interviewing people that were at Roswell, people that actually experienced what they experienced, and he's putting that information out to the public. He's doing research, and, you know, I I respect that, even though, yeah, he's doing it to make a buck, you know, but, hey, you know, the man has to make a living. You know, it is what it is. But I I respect uh, Stan Freeman a whole lot, and I do think that he's doing a very good job within the UFO community. Unfortunately, just like him and everybody else who is doing a good job, they have to kind of mingle with the people doing the bad stuff, like the last list. So, Dr. Stan Freeman makes the cut as a good ufologist. Applaud him again. One more time for Dr. Stan Freeman. Right, next on my list, Mr. Open Minds himself, Alejandro T. Rojas, made the list. And, and Alejandro, again, has left several organizations from Open Minds uh, to the one he did before that. I can't remember the name of it, but he did a, a one before that, and he left that left open minds and doing something else now. Uh, at one point he was going to jump over on PSN. That never happened. I don't know why Alejandro, the offer's still there, dude. You're a cool guy, so uh, come on over, buddy. But, you know, uh, he's actually somebody who I, I have a lot of respect for because, again, he's not pushing conspiracies uh, as far as himself involved in stuff. Uh, he's questioned uh, people even that he's been friends with, like He's uh, Stan Romanek. You know, he's questioned his the validity to a lot of the stuff that he talked about. So I have a lot of respect for uh, for Alejandro Rojas and for the stuff he's talked about. Uh, again, a good guy. So applaud Alejandro T. Rojas as making the cut of the good ufologist on the jackal's head. You're one of the good ones, Alejandro. And last on my list for now. I might add a few more later, but last on my list for now is a man who I respect a great deal, and it's because his story hasn't changed since the incident. He's remained authentic, genuine. I've interviewed him. He seems like a very down-to-earth person, just a, you know, somebody who's just telling his story of what happened to him. And again, it is backed with actual proof, scientific proof, lie detector tests, Actual news reports of him being missing for days. FBI actually having searched for this man for days. Uh, and of course I'm talking about none other than Travis Walton from Fire in the Sky fame himself. He gets applauded because I think he is somebody doing good in ufology. The man is just telling his story and I have no problems with that. Travis Walton, a good guy in the world of ufology. So there you go guys, that's my list. Again, from good to bad. Uh, bad being Billy Myers, Eric Von Daniken, Michael Horn, Georgia Tukaloos, David Wilcox, David Icke, and Sean David Morton, all scumbags. Good guys being Steve Bassett, Dr. Michael Heiser, great guy. Dr. Stan Freeman, great guy. Alejandro T. Rojas, great guy. Travis Walton, great guy. So those are the good guys within ufology. There is more on both sides, and you're going to hear more on this show as time progresses. Uh, that's kind of the uh, the new angle here, guys, that I'm going to be taking on this show. I want to really 
motivate people to, to really, really pay attention to what's going on. So, you know, in all jokes aside, you know, I know that, you know, I hammed it up here with the applause. Past the jokes, it is a serious subject. It really is because uh, people are being duped, people are being lied to, people are being conned. And, you know, that's something that has never been cool. And uh, it's also not cool for the world of ufology because it does mess up a lot of things. Or, as Soul would say, it fucks up everything. It really does. Fucks up everything. Now, with the last five minutes of the show, I want to say that today I had really an awesome day because I spent it with uh, Franklin Wales and uh, Shadow and Tremaine Brown, the guys who you know were creating this movie, Deadheads Evolution. And I want to urge everybody to please check out the website, deadheadsevolution.com. That's dead. Heads with an S, deadheadsevolution.com, all one word, deadheadsevolution.com. Please check that website out. Uh, there's going to be a lot more stuff on there pretty soon, and uh, we're going to get our Kickstarter account opening uh, in the next few days. So I really want to ask everybody who's listening in right now and uh, who's uh, listening in in the, the podcast, uh, please go to the Deadheads Evolution website, check out the Kickstarter account. Even five bucks help uh, will help. It's uh, you know that's just aimed to get the project started. It is a major film. The film is going to happen regardless, but having that extra money for the budget really would help, and that's the purpose of the Kickstarter account. And hopefully, we'll have you guys to help support the project. It is a very cool uh, movie. It's going to be just a, a fantastic uh, you know process to be able to witness how the movie is made and to go through the entire thing from behind the scenes. And I'm going to bring a lot of the behind-the-scenes stuff onto the show. I'm going to bring a lot of that behind-the-scenes stuff onto video on uh, on YouTube and show you guys a lot of stuff that you normally would not see from you know these movies. When if you you know look at movies nowadays, they never really give you the in-depth behind-the-scenes stuff that we're going to provide for the audience. We really want to make everybody a part of this film, and hopefully, it's a movement. You know, it is a, a zombie book, and it's based on this zombie book, this great book by uh, Franklin E. Wells uh, that he wrote. And uh, it, you know, it is a zombie book, but at the same time, it is uh, just a, an incredibly nice story, an incredibly neat story, and uh, it's something that I think we could definitely build something really cool with. So, guys, again, please check out the Kickstarter account on Deadheads Evolution.com, and I'm going to have a video up pretty soon. With Franklin E. Wales himself, with the video, uh, you know, it's uh, going to promote the Kickstarter, but it's also going to promote the movie in general. And it's uh, it, again, it was just a blast meeting the dude today in person and hanging out with him and getting the book autographed. And I had a really cool experience. Uh, Shadow's grandmother, who read the book uh, recently, um, had, there's a real funny story about that in one of the videos. That Shadow says that he, that he gave the book to his grandma. And she was reading another book, and she started reading the book, and mind you, she doesn't normally read horror novels or, or any anything related to zombies, it's not really her genre, but she started reading it, and she got so into the book, because it really is a cool book, it really is a, a good read, she got so into the book that uh, she decided, you know what, I'm going to put this other book down, I'm going to continue reading this book, and she flew right by it, and it was really, you know, cool to see her face, you know, it's an old lady, and to see her face light up when she saw Franklin, and he signed the book for her, and it was really cool, and I had a really neat experience, flipping through to page 17 on the book, and seeing my name in there, because I'm actually a character within the book, that's right, if you look at page 17, you can read, this is Angel Espino, aka the Jackal, signing off. Children, thanks for listening to Inside the Jackal's Head. It's in the book. So anyway, guys, check that out. I'll see you guys next week on Sunday, 10 p.m. Eastern, on PSN Radio.